Dealers, have you been searching for a way to keep your customers' cars looking new for longer? Diamond Coat's Nano Ceramic Gloss and Matte Paint Coating is the answer. No special application tools are required, and it will keep service work in your base. Plus, it's an excellent lease product to offer your customers. Give your dealership the competitive edge with Diamond Coat. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the May 19th, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Lason, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest today is here to give us a glimpse into the future of automotive manufacturing. He'll talk sustainability, automation, and artificial intelligence, painting us a picture of what the shop floor might soon look like in automotive and how tasks may change. All that and more when we hear from Magna's Vice President of Factory of the Future, Todd DeVille, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Todd, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Thank you for having me here, Greg. Uh, really looking forward to this conversation, but let's start here. How would you describe what it is you do as Magna's VP of Factory of the Future? So really, my role as, as in Factory of the Future is to bring technology, uh, and that technology may come from startups, uh, outside companies, partners, universities, etc., but take that technology and develop and implement it within Magna to support our operational excellence. Uh, productivity in our manufacturing footprint. Is there a goal in that to make factories more efficient, more automated? What is it maybe specifically you're looking for in those partners and researchers and universities that you deal with? So I think our, our overarching goal objective, right, is around operational efficiency. And, and what does that include? Well, uh, I would say you mentioned automation. That's really a means to the end, right? We're, we're trying to be uh, more more efficient in our operations, more productive. But within that framework, uh, sustainability, energy use, uh, support of our, our our people in our community and, and our customers, of course, is is all within that. So, what does a factory of the future look like at Magda? And then, as maybe a follow up elsewhere in the automotive industry, for that matter, does it differ? Supplier to supplier, automaker to automaker, is there a one size fits all? I, I just I'm curious what we're looking at, say five, ten, or thirty years down the road. What does a factory of the future look like? So I, yeah, that's that's sort of a great a great question. I think of course there's a spectrum, right, of of what this looks like in, in different areas. But I think fundamentally, uh, when when we view the vision of the factory of the future, it's it's similar, right, at, at the top level. And I would say, you know, key elements there would be around this seamless connectivity uh, and access to data from machines, equipment, line, cell, plant, all the way up to the enterprise level. And, and that's really about ultimately understanding what's going on and making better decisions, right, in to, to run our facilities um, and adjust to, to changing conditions all of the time. Another key element there uh, would be around bringing technology, whether it's automation solutions or uh, job aids, uh, augmented reality, AR, VR, other tool sets to basically empower our people. So how do we support our employees to better focus on on the skills they have and leveraging those in the factory and and really take away some of the, the drudge, right? The 
that the lower value tasks take that off of people, uh, put it on the technology so that the people can focus on what they do best. Within all of this, I, I don't really look at sustainability as a separate topic. I, I think it's fully integrated into manufacturing operations. Uh, and that's really about you know energy efficiency, materials, uh, recycling, upfront design, and, and bringing that complete full circle into our manufacturing environment. And I think the, the last sort of major point around what the factory of the future would look like is the digital side, right? Uh, whether you call it a digital twin or a simulation environment, we should have a, a full view in the digital world of what this operation does, how it runs, and the inputs and outputs, et cetera. Um, and that's so that, you know, right before anything's physically in the ground, we can we can predict this, we can optimize and we can run. And also in real time, when when a facility is running, we should be able to uh, probe for 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 changes, you know, what could make it better uh, and do this in a digital world before we bring it to the the real world and sort of all the challenging risks that brings. But I, th I think that framework uh, will apply really across across our, our whole sector. Does this mean fewer employees or the same amount of employees doing different things? How does it affect the workforce in particular? So, I, I mean, uh, I, I've been with Magna a long time, and our view here is always uh, increased productivity so the workforce ultimately we want to grow the workforce is, is always the goal. Um, but productivity and, and our output should grow even faster. So that's that's the message I bring in. And it's what we follow. And I think historically is 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 the way these uh, these technologies can be applied in leverage. So what do you specifically look for then when working with the startups, investment firms, university researchers? What boxes do they have to check in order to be sustainable and green, because that is part of what you're trying to do moving forward. So what do they have to do to meet Magnus standards? What are you seeking out? Uh, so with, with a, say, a startup or a, a vendor or partner uh, that we'd look at, you know, there's there's technical requirements and, and the commercial side are sort of the two main buckets. I would start with the, the technology side. You know, what what is the fundamental technology and or capability um, that that a, a partner or a startup is, is bringing to us what's it's offering. How does that mesh with what we have internally? Because I'm always looking for, you know, the synergies, right? Can, can Do we fill gaps in each other? So collectively together, are we better than we are separately is, is, is an important piece. Uh, and then look at um, scalability. You know, we're, we're a large organization uh, with a lot of variety in our operations. Can I, can I take uh, a technology, um, Say something to do with with energy efficiency. Uh, maybe you're saving energy on equipment operation, et cetera. How easy or how scalable is that uh, globally in our in our groups and divisions? What's the biggest challenge from where you you sit and and what you do on a daily basis? So, yeah, da daily basis. I, I think I, I touched it there. It's, it's scale, right? We are a large global organization with with a, a very wide range of, of manufacturing processes and technologies. Um, and so trying to, to work and, and bring in technology that, that can go at scale and then communicating with, with the people in the organization to, to get that adopted widely and, and, and sort of having enough knowledge training to, to do that around the world is probably my biggest challenge. The flip side of that, of course, is we have amazing things going on organically, uh, all over Magna and all of the different regions. So there's this great wealth of, 
capability in the company that that we can leverage, right? Yeah. So sort of at the same time, um, it's difficult because you're in Europe and and Asia and North America. At the same time, there are things going on in those three regions that I suppose you could implement in another region where it's not happening yet, right? It's sort of like things spring up. It's a great problem to have, right? But it's a challenge, uh, you know, us and our our team at uh, the Factor of the Future works work on. We'll be right back after this short break. Today, we're excited to share with you how you can enhance your customer's driving experience and keep their vehicle looking like new with Diamond Coat's full suite of nano ceramic gloss and matte paint protection products. Both come with a 10-year warranty guarantee. Diamond Coat's nano ceramic gloss paint protection is perfect for customers who want to maintain vibrant vehicle finish. This advanced formula uses cutting-edge nanotechnology to create a hard, durable barrier between the paint and the environment. Not only does it provide superior protection against scratches, bird droppings, and UV rays, but it also enhances the paint's shine, making it look like it just rolled off the showroom floor. For matte finished vehicles on your lot, we have NanoCeramic Matte, the only product in North America specifically designed to protect a vehicle's unique non-reflective look. It's engineered to preserve the light-diffusing sheen matte and satin finishes are known for while still providing long-lasting protection from the elements. Both of our nanoceramic products offer superior protection with a 9H hardness rating and a hydrophobic surface that repels water and contaminants. This means your customers will spend less time cleaning their vehicle and more time enjoying the ride. Not only are our products top of the line, but our team of experts is dedicated to providing exceptional service to our dealership partners. We offer comprehensive training, marketing support, and dedicated ancillary specialists to ensure that you have everything you need to successfully offer our products to your customers. So if you want to provide your customers with the best in ceramic paint protection, look no further than Diamond Coat. Contact us today or visit www.diamondcoat.com to learn more about how we can help. Diamond Coat, we've got you covered. Welcome back to the podcast, where I'm speaking with Magnus, vice president of the Factory of the Future, Todd DeVille. I I mean, I'm sure you've seen things that uh, most of us have never seen in terms of technology and products. What are some of the most promising technology and products or parts and processes you've come across in this job? Do you have any examples of what fits the mold of what you're looking for? Some real world examples. What, What has surprised you or what have you implemented that's cropped up and you've really latched onto and can help you in the factory of the future. Yeah. Okay. So a, a couple of, I'll say concrete examples, right? If, sure. if I look at what goes on in, um, in say vision systems and, and there's been an enormous amount of activity in academic startup company vendor world around uh, bringing, especially AI technology and, and cameras and sort of that whole space. Um, I think there's enormous potential there. We we have a lot in place. There's a lot more to go, and and it's I, I'd say what's interesting is it's uh, it's often aiding uh, employees or or operators. Right? Can can we help them identify things using using vision systems um, and, and do that quickly just just to make their their job better, uh, easier, more productive, quality, etc. So I, I think I, that area has been a very strong one. If I look at uh, bringing in um, robots and other automation, um, even some of the augmented reality or virtual reality tool sets that go with that, things that improve or reduce the um, difficulty of implementing technologies on the, on the plant floor are always positive. And that goes to the scale piece I mentioned, right? If we can 
make things easier, whether you know it's low code, no code, uh, path planning, et cetera, solutions on the floor uh, that just you know to shave the amount of effort it takes to bring those in. Um, that that's a big big win for us. How much of this is being driven by Magna on its own, and how much of it is an expectation? from the automakers you supply. And I think I'm speaking more about the sustainability and the green efforts um, first, but then I assume everyone also wants efficiencies, right? Yeah, I, for sure. And, you know, the the 25 years I've been in the industry, that hasn't changed um, from the, the top level. And it, it comes right from, you know, affordability at our end customers is, is, is a challenge. And so there's this constant drive to to make ourselves more efficient um, I would say specifically on, on sustainability. Um, again, it's it's always been in there in the background. I would say on the energy side and the material use and that efficiency. More lately, now as we bring in um, net zero and, and more defined sustainability targets, um, that's that's coming. I think from from society, but it's coming from our, our OEMs and our customers, and uh, that sort of increased that. So it, it, it's a mix of both. Um, when I look at our operations and efficiency, um, the best way to address that is typically closest to the to, to the action, right? The, the the people working in in their areas and their lines and the experts and the equipment tend to know best. So you have this this top level drive for efficiency, but uh, I'd say often a, a bottom up push on what can be done better, and and that's part of the agriculture, right? To to bring those two together for the the best solutions. Part of your work deals with artificial intelligence. Tell me about that and where we are in sort of that realm right now. Hey, really exciting area for 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 me and and people working in technology field. It's it's amazing. I see what's going on in the large language models right now, and it's I think progressed faster than than most of us would have would have expected. Um, I mentioned like vision and robotics topics. Uh, I think artificial intelligence. Um, is going to become something in the future where we don't really talk about it directly. It just becomes embedded in everything we do and use, <laughs> just just like many other technologies we now sort of take for granted. With that, right, there, there are challenges, um, and, and you see it um, especially in the, the chat. Uh, models, et cetera, today, and so you know we we have to be very careful about this. So it's, it's a it's a mix of I'm highly optimistic on what can happen here, uh, but also sort of conservative and, and careful. And so we need to make sure governance uh, systems are in place. Uh, we need to make sure we're protecting our our organization and our our, our people. Yeah, you know, I wanted That's to talk about that that yeah. that that doom and gloom and all these doomsday stories yeah. we've heard over the last month. Essentially, um, do you believe in those? Has there been enough? Um, contact between the government and business and um, companies such as yourself to to sort of curb the bad that might come uh, from AI. I just wonder what that relationship is like. What Magna is doing, if it's involved in anything that in in terms of policing it or legislating it or curbing um, sort of the the doomsday scenarios that we keep hearing about. Yeah, I, I, I touched that right. I, as I said, I I'm highly optimistic on where this goes. Um, you. I fundamentally believe you can't really stop technology, but yeah, you know we have a responsibility to <laughs> to make sure it's guided and 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 used properly and safely. Uh, with respect to what we're doing, you know, Magna, we've been involved 
for, for a number of years in, in several um, areas in, in uh, supporting government uh, and academia. Uh, you know, we don't really have a role as a, as a, a regulator, uh, but we do have a role as, as a you know, practitioner user of these technologies. And so, you know, we've participated in sort of many areas supporting government and, and nonprofit areas and, and uh, thinking through where the challenges are and how that might be addressed. And I, I think that's a really important role that us and, and many others in the industry provide, right? It's going to take everybody uh, together to, to drive this. How does AI help automotive in particular? What's its biggest, I guess, asset or advantage in automotive? Well, if you think about, I mean, what what is artificial intelligence doing? It's it's really you're you're making better decisions, right? So it's it's a it's a framework for making decisions using large amounts of data um, that you know either people can do, or it may involve so much data that it's very difficult for for people to do on their own. So that's um, I guess conceptually what it is. Now, how does that apply? Well, um, when I think about things like, you know, we, we have an extremely complicated industry, it, even if you look at just a single line in a plant and then scale that up to what it takes to build a whole vehicle, the supply chain, there are many, many moving pieces, extremely complicated and interdependencies. So we have a sort of a massive multivariable system. And I think artificial intelligence can kind of come in there and help us better analyze and make decisions on the fly. So as I said, I, I see it as a, ultimately as a tool, right? It's a tool that supports our people to, to help them work better, right? Let's talk about those people. Let's talk automation. Is there a day when those people aren't needed to make parts or are people always going to be a part of the assembly line and the parts process in the auto industry? Uh, people don't uh, go away. You know, my fundamentally believe that they're, they're going to need us all for, for uh, the foreseeable future. Um, the, the, what I think where, where automation and this technology comes in, it's again, improving our productivity, taking away the, the drudge, the, the dreary work we don't particularly want to do and, and let us focus on the things that people do really well. So I, I don't see uh, people going away anytime soon. Um, I just see, like many other tools over the years that have come in, we will just become more productive and, and our people will, will produce more over time. Todd, wonderful conversation. Uh, a good glimpse into the future of the auto industry in terms of the shop floor and the factory process. Appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. I'd like to thank Todd for being my guest. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.